Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. I am Brent Young, joined, of course, always by Aaron Smith. How are we? Doing well, sir. Doing well. You know what? This past weekend, uh, something special happened for Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, it was uh, hadn't happened since 2012. And that was four players being drafted into the NFL. One person that we know pretty pretty dearly. A dear friend of the show, a returning guest, a man, a myth, and a legend was even there on site in Cleveland. Without further ado, it's time to welcome back Brady Collins. Brady, how are we? Doing great, man. Wow, what an introduction. Every week, or every <laughs> bi-weekly, I should say, they get even more grand. But yeah, what a, what a great weekend for the boys. Um, you know, again, so honored and proud to see those guys get their name called and even the guys that are signing, you know, free agents. It's again, all it takes is one team to fall in love with you. But uh, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. So excited for those guys. And uh, no doubt next year is going to be even bigger. Brady, give me a step by step. You can't just say yeah, I was, it was fun to be there. Happy for these guys. You were you were on scene for <laughs> for a, a team that you grew up liking. You were telling us off off camera and. All of a sudden, you hear James Hudson's name drafted by the Cleveland Browns pretty quickly into the to the events on Saturday. I, you got to tell me a little bit more that went into that whole feeling for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, obviously, you, you grew up rooting for the team that your dad roots for. And, uh, you know, growing up in central Ohio, my dad was the biggest Browns and Indians fan there was. And even when the Browns, you know, were taken away from us, you know, he's still – you know, rooted for the Browns or rooted for guys that were on the Browns that went to other teams and all that stuff. So, you know, I can't help with that deep down. I've always been a Browns fan um, since I was a little boy, but, you know, as I've been blessed to continue on in this profession, my, my fandom has grown to multiple teams, to guys that I've had a part of, you know, being a part of their journey. But uh, it was, it was a, it was a cool thing. My uh, brother had this idea to take my dad up to Cleveland uh, for the draft. And he brought his uh, his seven year old son and we kind of took him up, stayed the night, you know, got some good food um, and then woke up, went to the draft on Saturday. And, uh, you know, we were getting ready to leave at one point. And I said, hey, guys, let's just wait around a little bit longer. I got a good feeling. And then we saw James Hudson name get called and we all celebrated. And, you know, I texted James and all that stuff going crazy. And uh, it was awesome. It was awesome to see all the guys names uh, being picked. So you didn't stick around to the seventh round for Jared Dokes? <laughs> no, I had to get back, man. It was uh, had to get back to the to the kids and the wife here. Let's talk about uh, the next name that was called Derek Forrest. Kind of a you know just a case where one of the first recruits that kind of committed to you guys and, and really bought into the whole scheme that your staff has. And then of course he he was kind of you know lowly ranked, unheralded coming out of high school just works his way through, becomes one of the best safeties in Cincinnati history, and then all of a sudden has a great pro day. A lot of thanks to his hard work and your guys' effort that you put in the weight room as well. But then all of a sudden it's fifth round, and he's taken there by the Washington football team. I mean, it's an absolute steal, if you ask my opinion. I mean, like I've always said, Derek Forrest, number one, is an unbelievable human being. Um, You know, just raised the right way, uh, comes from a great family, great support system always has his head on right. Um, And again, he hangs his hat on hard work, blue collar. I'm going to outwork you. I don't care if you're faster, stronger, smarter, all that stuff. He, he checks off all those boxes. So, 
to see his name get called right there. I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. And uh, so happy for him. I know the amount of work and effort, blood, sweat, and tears, all that stuff that he's put into this program, the sacrifices he's made, the leadership and the standard and the legacy that he's left. Um, it's a lot for those guys in that room to live up to. And, you know, I think they're going to be honored to keep that going. Do you remember his recruitment at all? I know that was like, that was early. I think he committed <laughs> in like January when you guys. First yeah, I, yeah. I remember his, uh, his first, you know, official visit down. And I think we we're at the uh, red stadium having a nice little dinner and just looking at him and, you know, he had, he had like some, uh, it was like, uh, what was that show? Hey Arnold. He had like some okay. Hey Arnold hair. Kid and play. Yes. Oh, even better. Nice. Kid and play. And, there uh, little house little house party reference there um but you know he was just this you know skinny well-spoken well-mannered um young man and you know just just hit it off from the get-go and I think he bought into everything coach was preaching and wanted to build here and I mean like you said no doubt he's been a catalyst and uh and uh the backbone of what we've been able to do here the past four years going into year five so then it's James Wiggins turn and you hear his name as he's as he becomes the next Bearcat drafted in this 2021 NFL draft. So, I mean, were you surprised that he, he fell as, as far as he did? No, I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised so much that he could fall in a draft like that because, you know, again, they're going to do all their homework. And again, with, with a guy like Wiggins, when you see, you know, just a couple injuries that pop up, they're going to be not just worried, but just they're going to dig in a little deeper and just kind of put that on their board, the guys that have not had injuries, the guys that have played full years, all those types of things. And like I said earlier, at the end of the day, it only takes one team to fall in love with you. Multiple teams loved all of our guys. Now they have to be the right fit at the right moment. It doesn't matter when and all that stuff. It's, it's how your name gets called by who. And I think those guys are going to make the best of where they got drafted from. Again, Wiggins is going to go to the Arizona Cardinals. He's going to make them better. He's going to learn. He's going to grow. He's going to continue to dominate and get better on the field. And I think he's going to be an absolute steal. You know, I, I know you bought a hat for each one of the teams. That's right. Now that, that Dolphins blue, I, do we call it blue? Is it green? I, that's I going to be the teal. teal. Yes. That's going to be the one that you wear. People are like, whoa, that's, that is a different hat right there. What team is that? So talk a little bit about Jared Dokes. I mean, that's a player that, not many people kind of projected to be taken. Definitely probably an undrafted free agent, but all of a sudden back-to-back picks, Wiggins, then Dokes. It's got to be pretty awesome seeing Dokes go. And then, of course, obviously the intangibles that he brings to the Dolphins. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, you know, you look at just kind of the history of running backs within any draft. And, you know, again, a lot of guys try to bet on, you know, drafting their guys later because, you know, history has shown. You don't have to have a first rounder to be, you know, a, a stud at the next level. And you just look at Jared Dokes, right? Number one thing about him, he's tough. He's tough as hell. Um, you know, he's, he's resilient. He's a grinder. He's going to do exactly what he needs to do in order to help the team win. And he did that for the past four years here with us. He played special teams at an extremely elite level. He pass blocked better than anybody in the country. You've seen his highlights. He ran block right, for Dez or anybody else that got the ball better than anybody in the country. So when you put all that into it, and then you add in the fact that he's an extremely aggressive 230-pound runner with great vision, uh, you know, 
great awareness, all those things that come into it. He ran a four five forty. All that just kind of goes into it. You're getting a great kid. You're getting a great football player, a great young man, and uh, couldn't be more proud of him. So did the teams reach out to you in regards to kind of the injury history and kind of maybe what you do to, to kind of help them rehab, whether it be Dokes or whether it be Wiggins or, or different things of that sort? Is that something that ties into leading up to the draft? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the next level, those guys, they want to check every single box. They want to make sure they have every question left um, answered. Um, they don't want to leave any stone unturned. So, yes, they'll, they'll talk to myself. They'll talk to position coaches, obviously Coach Fickle. They'll talk to our training staff um, and anybody else that's been, you know, interactive on a daily basis with our guys within the building. So, you know, that's kind of the normal thing. But uh, no doubt, you know, up until the draft, the phone started kind of buzzing a little more and guys asking a little more questions. So, um, like I always said, anytime I get a chance to talk about our guys, I'm going to I'm going to give them everything I got. And this gives some credence to the fact that when, when, you know, going into that year two, before he got hurt, before he had the, the sports hernia, Dokes was supposed to be the guy. I mean, you know, as much as we glow about Mike Warren, that very easily could have been Dokes that was the bell cow through the, the first, you know, two, three years of this, this rebuild. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we got to camp. It was near the middle of camp. And, you know, he was catching a pass on an out route and kind of did something to his groin or whatever. And obviously him and uh, Mike were battling against each other, competing, pushing each other one-on-one. -on -one. And, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was the emergence of the Mike Warren. Um, but, you know, again, life kind of has a funny way of figuring itself out and working out. And uh, I think, again, just a testament to Jared Dokes. He always kept his head down. He always worked his butt off. And, uh never complained, never was a me guy. And obviously things have worked out really well for him. And he's got his opportunity now to go perform down there in Miami. And I think he's going to do an absolute unbelievable job. Is uh, is special team something you guys harp on with, with the entire team? Just listen, guys, if you want to make it to the next level, this is probably the biggest chance at a moneymaker. I mean, absolutely. I mean, coach pre preaches it all the time. The best players have to play on special teams. And, you know, that's not a knock. I mean, you look look around the conference, a lot of times, you know, the best players aren't on kickoff. They're not on punt. And why is that? Because they're trying to give those guys a rest? Like, no, no, no. That's that's an emphasis for us. That's why we win. That's why we dominate. That's why we will continue to win. And uh, one of the coolest things Coach put up uh, this offseason was a, a stat breakdown of all the guys um, from, you know, uh, Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson, the guys, the top of their guys that how many of them played special teams? You look at Devontae Smith and Patrick Sertan, first round draft picks, they played over 100 snaps of special teams. Ooh. So, no doubt, those guys get all the notoriety and the recognition for the position that they play and how well they perform there. But no doubt, they're doing other things within the game that's putting their position or putting their team in a position to go help win and dominate. So, it's a huge emphasis for us. Um, I think our guys thrive on it. They compete like bats out of hell for it. They want to be on everything. They don't want to be taken off the field. So, and then of course the, the undrafted free agents got to give love to them because uh, you kind of think about it. This, they have just as much chance at, at, at getting a contract and getting on the, on the 53 man roster as, as those who got picked as well. Is that something that you kind of really track right after the draft and just see maybe if you could help 
some of those players like James Smith and the other players that got picked up by teams kind of just say, Hey, give these guys a shot. They, they definitely deserve it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, you know, each organization kind of has a plan for how they want to go about the draft and they're going to have communications beforehand. And obviously right at the end of uh, the conclusion of the draft, but um, you know, again, like I said, all you need is one team to take a chance on you. And then like we always tell our guys, I tell them every single time when they come in the weight room, look, we're going to do everything we, we possibly humanly can to show you a vision of what you could and should be. At the end of the day, who's it fall on? You. So when you're given that opportunity, when your name is called, whether you sign on the line as a draft or you sign on the line as a free agent, it doesn't matter. You have your shot. Now you're equipped. You've been raised. You, you know what to do with that. Go make the best of it. So um, no doubt, I, I'm so proud of all those guys that are, continuing their careers and you know now it's up to them and um i have you know nothing but the utmost faith that those guys are going to get it done and continue their careers and represent the bearcats the right way so that'll be something fun to track obviously is just you know how they do in the next steps of you know rookie mini camp and and you know training camp and trying to make the team and whatnot what about the current team what what is their plan right now do you kind of send them home with a regimen or send them home with different tasks to complete, or is it kind of take your time away, come back, be ready to work? Yeah. I mean, the first thing, obviously you want, you want them to get the physical and mental, um, you know, kind of break from just the daily grind, the daily um, interaction with us, with our coaches, all those things. But uh, yeah, we, we absolutely, we put together a nice little, you know, two week plan for them. Again, basic stuff that we do, Maybe the rep schemes and the intensity are a little different because obviously we know it's a different time of the year, um, but we want them to be active. We want them to be moving. And, you know, myself and my coaches, we check in on all of them. Uh, just been texting with a bunch of them here earlier today. And, uh, you know, we want them fresh. We want their minds, their bodies, uh, their hearts to kind of get a break and then to come back because when they come back, it's on. I mean, I said it earlier, it's, it's the biggest opportunity, the biggest challenge um that we have in front of us and I know every single one of our guys are eager or excited or ready for that but at the same time you kind of got to reset and then reload and then rock and roll so um we'll get ready to go here within the next couple of weeks and I can't wait any extensive so, go ahead no go ahead I was just going to say any extensive guys like extensive plans that you're working on with any specific guys through the summer um, as most of the players are going to be stepping away from the program, but is anybody planning on working with you throughout the break? I mean, you're always going to have guys that, you know, maybe they stay around for a little bit and then they'll go home or, you know, they'll go home for a little bit and then they come back early. Um, you know, that's just kind of a communication thing that we do relationships that we built with guys and coaches and all that stuff. But um, you know, not to, make it sound kind of crazy or anything, but really everybody has individual things that we have to enhance, um, that we have to tweak, that we have to mold and improve to put ourselves in the position that we want to be come fall. And, uh, you know, that's something that I've been doing the past couple of weeks with, with coaches breaking down each guy, uh, sitting with my staff, kind of breaking down our plan. Um, so it, it has, it's been kind of fun. It's a, it's like a big chemistry experiment. You, you put all these chemicals and, all these things into a little beaker and then, you know, you're going to get a, an evaporation. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to get back at it. How, how much does spring impact that? What, what you see from guys in spring football, what you see from, 
you know, maybe their place on the depth chart or, or what impact you feel like they might have, like how much, how much does the spring actually change, you know, the plan for the summer or is it pretty set? You know, I, I mean, I wouldn't lie to you. It does. It has a huge impact on it because again, you know, what we do in the weight room, it has to translate to the football field. So again, anybody can bench, anybody can squat, anybody can do X, Y, and Z. It has to translate to the field. So the best thing about spring is you, you trained all these guys all winter, even the guys that have played a lot of ball, but your young, fresh guys, um, the guys that are maybe in the two deep or trying to crack that rotation and, you know, going to be a guy on special teams, all those things. You saw how they trained in the winter. You evaluate how they move and how they're progressing and growing and learning on the field when it comes to football. And then, you know, you kind of get the end of it and you can kind of sit down with that coach and kind of formulate a plan to put that person in the best position to continue to enhance because no doubt everybody's goal, like I said, we're in, our, my favorite saying is perpetual development, 24, seven, 365 days a year, your mind, your heart, your body, and your soul. But yet there's always fine little things that we can find and enhance in each one of our guys. So, um, you know, spring ball is huge for us because, you know, you look at, uh, you know, again, my, my eyes just go to the uh, two deep linebackers. Okay, so you've got, you know, Deshaun Pace, you got Jaheim Thomas, you got the Will Huber, who is a special teams All-American and, you know, maybe do a little tight end and linebacker and all these kinds of things. Um, you know, what, what do those guys really need? They need a little extra kick in the butt maybe because guess what? We're counting on you, you know, and that's not a knock to anybody that's maybe not in the too deep or all that stuff because we're still going to get the same love and the attention and the push and all that stuff. But, you know, there's just kind of the evolution of, you know, how you're growing and how you're adapting and evolving within the program that uh, it only makes everybody better. I think that naturally brings us to one of the questions from the mailbag, actually, which was uh, from Jay Bearcats 91, who wondered, how do you decide how much weight you get certain players up to, for instance, you know, with Briggs playing at Virginia under 300 and you decided here to get him over 330? Um, you know, so where do you come up with like how you're going to, who you're going to cut weight on, who you're going to put weight on and how does that all translate? Well, Briggs was never over 330. The top he ever was, yeah. was 321. And he'll even tell you the biggest reason he was 321 was because he hadn't been training like the way we train and he wasn't eating the way we've been eating. Right. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you were in COVID protocols, all that stuff, you transfer, you're back home, whatever, not. And then you get here and you got three meals a day. You got all these shakes and protein snacks and all that stuff. No doubt you're going to grow. I mean, it's 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 evolution. It's science. But, uh, you know, again, it, it all boils down to the genetic structure of each you know guy on our program. Um, you know, again, I, I say it all the time. Des Ritter came into us at six, one and a half. OK, now all of a sudden he's six, four. Is that because I touched him and did some cool exercises and all of a yes. sudden he's six? Four? It'd be so cool if it was. <laughs> it would be because guess what? I would not be talking to you guys. I would be living. <laughs> I'd be living who knows where, um, but that's, you know, that's, that's not what we can do. What we can do is maximize their genetic potential, reach into their hearts, give them our hearts, and in turn develop a real relationship that's going to allow them to grow and, you know, achieve things they never thought they could. So, um, you know, you really look at the frame of guys, their genetic makeup, uh, their molecular makeup inside, how their metabolism works, all those things. Uh, I mean, we've tested it many times. You know, Maje Sanders came into us 208 pounds, got up to 260. 
you know, been down at 235, 240, 250, bounces around here and there. I mean, it's hard at times, but their metabolisms are so hard. Their, um, the effort that they give, their, their, I like to say GSF, which is their give a shit factor is extremely high. And, uh, you know, it's just, again, kind of being that mad scientist of fine tuning everything to put them in a position to better their bodies and better their hearts and minds to go perform at the next level. Kind of, kind of piggybacking off of that. It seems as if it's just getting crazy. The amount of weight certain players have these days, how fast they can move, how much they can lift with those. I mean, it just seems like 40s are getting faster every year. 225 pound reps are getting fat, you know, more every year. I mean, is it is it something that just seems as if it's just trending that way, bigger, faster, stronger? Is just, I mean, you look at Kyle Pitts from Florida. His stats are crazy. My J Sanders, you touched on it a couple of times. I mean, is is that something that you just see continuing to get better and better until all of a sudden we've got someone running in the four ones and you know bench pressing <laughs> way too much? It it just seems like it's starting to get a little. Little crazy with how special the talent is in some of these players. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, the, the process of evolution is it's beyond all of our control. And uh, you know, again, genetics are a huge part of all of that. Um, but I don't think anybody's ever gonna run a four-one. And if they do, oh boy. But uh, <laughs> you know, it is again, that's kind of what makes you know football the greatest, the most violent sport there is, because you have two human beings, sometimes multiple running into each other at high speeds and their bodies have to be trained to withstand that impact, that force and that trauma. So, you know, again, that's, that's what makes our game so special. It makes my job so special because we're not just training power lifters. We're not training guys that are going to, you know, hit a set of a squat, then take a five minute rest. Like, no, you're going to hit a set of squat and then your buddy's going to do it. And then you're going to go again. Cause that's the game of football. You're going to put your hand in the dirt. You're going to take a rep. You're going to go as hard as you can. You're going to get a little breath. Then you're going to put your hand down. You're going to do it again. And, uh, you know, that's the, the fun thing about what we do. It's, it's not always about how much you bench squat and how fast you run. It's how well can you do those things? How, how far can you push yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, all those things, and uh, put yourself and the team in a position to go succeed. So players aside for a second and getting into the head of one Brady Collins, what are your personal goals for this, like this time away from the, the kids and, and what are you going to be working on in yourself as you have a little bit more free time? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm a different bird. I, uh, I hate being away and that's, that's not a, a knock on anything. I mean, I love family time. I love recharging. I love being home. Like, you know, everybody always talks about, Oh, you need to take vacation. You need to get away. Like, you know what a vacation is to me, just being at home. Like it really is like, I don't know why I'm just, a, I'm a homebody. I'm a weird kind of different wired guy, but my head's always going. My mind's always thinking, I mean, I'll pull up things on Twitter. I'm, I'm reading articles. I'm doing all these things. I'm always snap, you know, snapping pictures of certain things that I see because I know how my head processes that that's going to be something I'm going to look at in a few days to kind of get a piece from. And um, whether it's a motivational, whether it's, you know, something within our program we can do or, uh, influence and add to help our guys. But, um, you know, the biggest thing I like to do is just kind of recharge, kind of get away a little bit. Um, you know, because I know, like I said earlier, I know what the, the opportunity, the challenges of, you know, what is coming up here is, and, you know, I, I, I can't wait for it. I thrive off it. Um, you know, I don't want to be at a place where, 
you know, you're, you're, you're expected to just be okay or do this and that. Like, I'm, this is why we came here. This is why we're building the university of Cincinnati into what it is. We want to be the best in everything that we do. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm jumping at the bit and, uh, it's a slow process to, to return and kind of a fine line of things that I do to kind of balance all that with family and all that stuff. But it's uh it's a good time for me. Kind of sp- speaking about the best. So going back to the NFL draft, four players taken the record at Cincinnati for amount of players taken in one season is six. You've been around the team more than anybody. Do you think the 2022 draft breaks that record of six? It's 838 on Monday, May 3rd, 2021. That record will be broken. Okay. Stamp it. Stamp it. Um, You know, that's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, something that, you know, I've been thinking about in the back of my head, no doubt coach and I have been talking about, but it kind of goes back to those, you know, things I keep saying, opportunity, the challenges, and really what's at stake for a lot of our guys and uh, for this program. And that's, again, ultimately what we came here to do is develop guys to succeed and dominate and win championships and then go on at the next level and continue it. So, uh, you know, again, testament to everybody within our building. I think we've set ourselves up in a position to do that. And uh, I think that record is going to be broken a year from now. Since we went back to the draft and since Dave Simone isn't here and I'm, I'm sure he's a little upset that he isn't here to talk draft with you, actually. Um, I, I will ask on his behalf uh, whether he wanted me to or not. Um, what did you think of the Cincinnati Bengals draft in particular? Uh, I mean, Jamar Chase is an unbelievable whiteout. I mean, that's a, it's a game-changing, uh, playmaking guy right there. So other than that, Michael Idea, I don't think I know too much. I know they drafted a kicker. <laughs> it's kind of uh, kind of one of those things you don't do, but much, hey, you know, if, if they love him, like I said, it only takes one team to fall in love with you, so. They love him that much. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, I, I hope for the best for the Bengals, man. I mean, you got Joey B down there. Again, I was blessed to be around him in his early days at Ohio State. And, you know, I, I got to witness just the, the unbelievable things that he could do on and off the field at a young age. And, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't pulling for them deep down as well. All right. Well, I wanted to get that out there for Dave. So that, that one's for you, bud. <laughs> there we go. You know, Brady, this is uh... – Another question in our mailbag, kind of a fun one. You didn't really have enough time to, to look at this and, and rank them one to six, but I'm going to give you six scenarios, and I want you to give me a confidence level of one to five. Five being, oh five being yes, definitely. One being no chance at all. You ready? I'm ready. Blocking Majay Sanders. Just, Zero. Just, just one. Zero? Okay. Zero. Getting open versus Ahmad Sauce Gardner. One. One. Okay. Okay. I hope he hears that. Covering, Absolutely. I want, I want him to hear it. There we go. <laughs> Covering Michael Young. Two. Okay. Okay. Tackling Jerome Ford with three yards in between you. <laughs> One. Okay. Beating Dez in a 40-yard dash with you getting a 10-yard head start. <laughs> uh, man, he's fast. Um, 1.5. Okay, okay. And then this is, this is the one that I put 
most confident that I have in myself for catching a punt from the rake. A five. Yeah. Thank you. Five. Thank you. Perfect. Five. We just wanted five. to boost your ego there at the end. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, it, I know you don't really care, but I went number one, catching a punt from rank two, actually tackling Jerome Ford in a three, three yards in between us. Ooh. Three is getting open versus sauce. Four mm-hmm. is blocking Majay. Five covering Michael Young and six beating Dez in a 40 yard dash with a 10 yard head start. I'm just not fast. That's I'm just an order <laughs> of, of things that you think you could do. Not as far as how successful you would be at each one for clarity. You have, you have zero, a 0.0% chance of blocking my chance. Well, no, well, yeah, the, the bottom three, I have zero chances. I, Michael Young run a fly route on me. You're, you're beating me every time. Dez, no chance. Blocking my J, no chance. I could get open against Sauce, a little bit of shake. I don't know. <laughs> no, you couldn't. But I am confident I could catch a punt from the rake. Just that because your body is shaking doesn't mean you have a little bit of shake. Get a little wiggle. Milkshake. <laughs> Milkshake. It does bring all the passes to my hands. There you go. There you go. There you go. What, well, now, this is the better question. One to five confidence level. Wes Miller catching a pass on Ahmad Gardner like he said he could. Zero. <laughs> Shots fired. He's a, he's a competitive Zero. dude. Okay, well, here's my question. Dez is throwing the ball, so I guess I could back that up because Dez is going to want to embarrass Ahmad. Right. Of course. So maybe, maybe we'll put it at a three. Okay. What, what, if, what if Gino throwing the ball? Oh man, if Gino's throwing the ball, whew, a 1.7. Cause <laughs> Gino, Gino, Gino's not gonna be, you know, he's gonna want to make sure the boys look good. <laughs> right. Well, well, here's my thought. Just a just a quick like fake outside. And like the second I turn left, Des, you gotta get that ball <laughs> in my chest. Just, just no doubt. And we'll see what yeah, I, I don't think you know how long Ahmad's arms are. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, I'm still putting it at 0% chance, but I'm just saying it's a. Is he playing press or is he off? Oh, that's a good question. Off, take... off, maybe. Press, you got it, no shot. It doesn't matter. It doesn't that's five matter. five yard curl. He's really <laughs> open. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. Golly. Well. All right, Brady. Let, let's get to the, 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 the news of the weekend or at yes. least Friday. Yes, uh, you've you've got a friend coming back into the building. Uh, Mike Rayfelt it returns. The Monster Factory reopens. I think here, here's the interesting thing for me. I think now, not only does Cincinnati have the best, you know, performance coach in football, Cincinnati now has the best performance coach in the country in basketball, as well. Give me your uh, your thoughts on on Mike and the Monster Factory returning to uh, take over with Wes Miller. I mean, honestly, I'm excited. I think it's uh, it's a great move. I think it's a smart move um, by Coach Miller, and you know everything that he's doing. I think um, all the uh, additions that he's made and the hires, and just kind of how he's going about his business. I think I think it's awesome. I think uh, you know when you look at Cincinnati basketball, obviously historically, yeah, it's been a one of the best in the country. And, uh, you know, having had to spend time here prior when Mike was here and getting to know him and obviously appreciating his work from afar and, you know, even getting to witnessing some of it, you know, at times when we got a chance. Um, 
but I think it's awesome. I mean, you look at why they were so successful when Mike was here. Yes, of course, you had great coaching. You had great development, great recruiting, all those things. But it's it's kind of the backbone of who you are uh, inside your program. And that was the culture that was built. And that, you know, those guys played tough. They played discipline. Um, they were physical. And uh, they had high motors that didn't give in. And um, I think it's a huge addition. I'm excited. Like I said, he, he, he's a guy that uh, I know really well and I look up to, and I think he does a great job over there with basketball. And I think it's going to be a great thing. And, you know, selfishly, I'm excited for the university of Cincinnati because you need those sports to be humming, um, you know, football and basketball, we got to keep this thing rolling and, you know, continue to push this place to um, heights. It's never been. And, you know, I think it's going to be exciting. Take me inside. Cause I, I know, I know you're competitive knowing you for as long as I have, I know Mike is competitive for as long as I've known Mike. Take me through that dynamic of you're working for the best of the football program. Mike's working for the best of the basketball program. How do you guys kind of meet in the middle? So, you know, there's a, an understanding of you guys are doing what you're doing, what we're, we're doing, what we're doing, but we're all pulling in the same direction because it, I'm sure there's things you want that, that basketball gets or basketball wants that you gets get. I don't know why I made that plural, but uh, just take me through that, that, that dynamic of, you know, two competitive guys in the same building working together for this, you know, a, a common goal, but also your football, he's basketball. Like it, there's gotta be some times where it's at least like, all right, put your dukes up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think it ever really comes to that too much, but, you know, again, I think it's just, you know, the way, the way we are again, you know, there's so many things that go on um, in a day in any college setting, especially in the strength world, all that stuff that, you know, the way I was raised, the way I was brought up and just what, you know, what I know is best is I got to control what I can control. I got 110 to 20 guys throughout the day that it is my job and my staff's job to physically, mentally, spiritually, like I always say, develop them, to put them in the position to succeed on the field. Because ultimately, that's what's going to help this program is by winning, is by having them healthy and dominant and all those things. And uh, the same goes for Mike. You know, again, he's got a smaller amount of guys, but the, uh, you know, the risks and all that stuff, it's still the same. What he's trying to do is still the same. And, uh, you know, I just kind of take it all back, maybe the way, you know, or places that we've all been, you know, it's very unique. The University of Cincinnati, you, you really, you have two weight rooms, you know. You have the old weight room, which is the basketball um, weight room that Mike has and, um, you know, a couple sports lift in there. And then you have the big weight room that's kind of separated into two areas, but it's open for everybody. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of hard because, you know, you don't really have um, not the, not the so, you know, the quote unquote ownership, but just the a full autonomy of this is my room. This is your room. This is that room, you know, of everything that's going on in here and there and there and there. And, uh, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, you got to focus on what you got to focus on. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for Mike to come back. I think it's a great time for him to come back because I feel like, you know, the things that we've been doing with football, we're going to keep continuing it and dominating it and enhancing things. Um, I think he's going to really jumpstart and bring back basketball to what it was and take it to new heights with a new coaching staff and all that stuff. And then, you know, I think together him and I, by working together and just, you know, bouncing ideas and all that stuff, we can really impact other programs within the university of Cincinnati 
not because we're trying to just, you know, look out for others, but because we care, you know, we, we understand that, you know, Hey, we're going to take care of what we got to take care of. We know our programs are good. They're solid. We're going to continue dominating. How can we help others? Because ultimately that's what makes other people better. That's what makes the university better. Um, and selfishly, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want every student athlete to achieve everything that they want inside the weight room and outside the weight room. I like it. I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> That's great. Aaron, anything else? Chad, anything else? That's just so eloquently put. I know. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> yeah. As two feet in, 10 toes down on that one. This is why right. I want to hug him when I see him on the field. Next time. Next time. Awkward. Awkward. Very but, awkward. But, but hey, don't probably, just don't run. Just don't run on the field to hug him. Well, if you run off, make sure you, make sure you run off too. Make sure you run off the field. Very, very good, Brent. Very good. So, so probably the biggest question of this little, uh, this little mantra, this little connection we have is you love tacos on Thursday. <laughs> Wednesday is Cinco de Mayo. Are you going to break your Thursday taco tradition and have tacos on Wednesday? You know what? I think we are. I think uh, the wife and I were talking about, you know, meals for the week. And I think, uh, I think we might have a little trip to Condado here coming up soon. Oh. So yeah, it's, it's kind of my, uh, my daughter's favorite right now is Condado. So um, I could, I could foresee that happening within the future. Yes. Okay. So I, I, I've been on, I, I've been on a big kick lately. What is your take on soft or crunchy for tacos? Oh man. Uh, I mean, I, I prefer a good soft tortilla um, for tacos now, if you're at Taco Bell, I think a crunchier kind of goes okay. goes the mile there. But, um, you know, I think it also depends on what's the meat inside the taco. Ooh. Yes. It, like a ground beef, I think, is a, is crunchy, right? Is a crunchy. Is a crunchy. Steak, I, steak yep. you know, carnitas. Yes, yes. Chicken. Mm -hmm. Those are more soft tacos. But if you're right. going to go beef, I, I've been on, for some reason, I've been on this crazy, crunchy, like standard I made them last night. Beef tacos, cheese, lettuce, a little. Um, I, I, I've been uh, touting. I talked about this last week on the show. I've got a new hot sauce. Ooh, Hank's hot sauce. Hank's. Yeah, Thanks. and I, I got it at Jungle Gems. Maybe maybe next time I go, I'll get you a bottle. It is the Here perfect. It is the perfect hot sauce for just like a, a standard crunchy taco. It's not like overly hot, but it's got great flavor to it. And I, for some reason, I have just been on a crazy crunchy taco kick. Well, well there what you do go. You, what do you guys think of the, the they offered at Condado, the hard shell wrapped with the soft shell? Well, best of what's, both worlds. What's the binder? I, I prefer the cheese binder. Uh, Over but I the beans, do, yeah. No. I could do the be the beans. I don't mind, but I, I prefer the cheese. The cheese. Yeah. Definitely the cheese. Yes, that's a good choice right there. Okay. Jungle Gyms, man, that. As my head is and the way I am, when I go into Jungle Gyms, I love it and I hate it because it is like <laughs> you could you could go down one aisle and get lost. And then like you're like, I just came here for cheese. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, there's the world of cheese. But uh, <laughs> that place is that place. I mean, is the hot really sauce, cool. the hot sauce thing is the hot sauce like spot is you could I could spend 45 minutes in there. Yeah, I come home with like 10 bottles of like this marinade and that sauce and this yes. hot sauce and that like I spend $50 just in the hot sauce room. 
it's I mean, it's incredible the amount of stuff that they have there. I mean, I know uh, Big Mets, he, he likes going there every now and then because of the German food selection yeah. that they have. Hmm. Sounds like an interesting place. I struggle to make it go. past. The, I mean, I struggle to make it past the, the large beer selection. So I don't know. About you guys. <laughs> that's that's why they put that on the, the the end of the store right before you get to the checkout. You're yes. supposed to have to go through all the other stuff before I, I you get to there. the beer. <laughs> I get caught up in the cooking utensil section, like a you know, <laughs> get a get a get a new 14 inch skillet or you know a, a cast iron or I, I i've spent way too much money in the uh the appliances section or the the utensils section at jungle yes. gyms or just the stuff in the middle aisle that's like you know on sale or specials Ooh. yeah have you ever have you ever done the the blue oven bakery english muffins i have not okay you got to do this you can get them. You can get them at Jungle Gyms. You can get them at Finley Market as well. There's a Blue Oven Bakery. There I've heard are eight... great things about the Finley Market. You've never been to Finley Market? No. All right, we're gonna have to set up you meeting me there Feel one true. weekend. Sounds and good. I will I will take you through the lay of the land at Finley Market so that you know, like they have this. Uh, they have a, a sausage place that's nothing but like three butcher counters of just handmade sausages. I love that. I got one that I had last week that was mango habanero. Ooh. And uh, there was a lot more habanero than there was mango. <laughs> the The mango to habanero, my tongue was numb for like three hours. That's how good it was. No Hanks needed. No, no Hanks Han needed on that. But no, <laughs> no, no. That was uh, ice cream. Ice cream needed with that, with that mango. <laughs> but I'm serious. I, I want you to meet me there one day, one, one weekend. I will. Uh, maybe, maybe while this break is going on. Actually, you know what? Kelly's, I, I get Kelly's favorite meal at uh, Finley Market. They have a place yeah. that does, they have a place that does fresh pasta. They make all their own fresh pasta. They make all their own pasta sauces. So wow. we get the pasta, we get two sauces, a red sauce and a white sauce. And then I go down and I get, um, Italian sausage, Chicago Italian sausage. You can get, get them either mild or hot. And I make this pasta dish for Kelly. So Ooh. maybe maybe Saturday I'll hit you up and, and we can meet and I'll I'll take you on the tour of Finley Market. I would I would love that. I would love the tour. Bring the wife. Well, I don't I mean bring the, the kids. The kids make it a little hectic. I was gonna say, yeah. Well, the daughter has gymnastics, you know, from eleven forty five to two forty five. So that could give me a window. Oh, they've got great lunch, too. They've got like 10 different spots you can get good lunch. So I'm we'll meet sold. for lunch and I'll give you the tour. I'm sold. Noon on Saturday. If anybody wants to meet us there, we'll be there. Look, for, come say hi. Can't wait. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now that you guys have that date scheduled, anything we have else, a date. Anything we have else a date. needed for, for Brady? No, I think we're good. Let the man go. All right, well. Yeah. You have something to look forward to Saturday. I will not be <laughs> driving two hours to join you, sadly. Uh, other than that, thanks for joining us, Brady. As always, you are the man. So much fun talking to you. Appreciate you guys, man. Looking forward to the next one. All right. All right. See you, Coach. See you, guys. Yet again, I'm, that was – go. I, I think you're missing out. Like, it's I like, think you would – It's you like would four really blocks away. It. I'm totally going. 
Okay. Finley Market, have you been yeah. there? I'm just I'm gonna get there at 9:30 in case they decide to change the time, and I'm just gonna because <laughs> Chad won't answer his phone because he knows why I'm calling. You hate answering <laughs> your phone when I call you Saturday mornings. Well, it depends on the time. Well, especially at two. He's got a no comment on that one. <laughs> <laughs> two, while 2 a.m. is technically Saturday morning. I, that's what I said. I mean, it's it still too. makes you an asshole. He thought it was daylight <laughs> savings time. Thought it was four. But anyway, going back to kind of what we were touching on with with Coach Collins, Aaron, four players drafted. Awesome. Yeah. Don't really need to touch on that too much more. But I, I like what Brady did. Put a stamp on it. Time stamped it. Saying that the record of six will be broken this upcoming 2022 draft, which – all right, let's predict. Well, I, I mean, I agree. We've played this game before where we've run through who potential picks could be. Um, who will get drafted? I've got it in one front year of me. from now. I've who got it in front will of me. get drafted? I, I mean, let, let's put your name on it. Ready? Desmond Ritter. Yeah. The first Ahmad, three are easy. Ahmad Sauce Gardner, Maje Sanders, yeah. Josh, Josh Wiley, Wiley, Darian Beavers. Then it becomes Kobe Bryant, possibly. Uh, Brian Cook or, or Javon Hicks, if they have a big season. Possibly, but probably not. The safety position's hard. Lenny Taylor, possibly. Then you've got Alec Pierce. What can he do? I said put your name on it. Who's getting picked? Put my name on it. All right. I agree. Six is getting bro- getting broken, so... You've got the big three. So you need seven. Yeah, got the big three. Let's go Wiley, Beavers, Bryant for the sixth. And then number seven, give me ooh, give me Alec Pierce. Seventh round flyer. He stays healthy all year. I think, he, I think, I think if Pierce stays healthy all year, he goes higher than seven. Right. I mean, he's got speed. He, He'll, he'll measure he's got size. He's awesome. got speed. He's yeah. got a great catch radius. He makes plays down the field. He can take the top off the defense. Yep. So, he, he's insanely smart. He's going right. to he's going to get a mechanical engineering degree. Teams will love his yeah, time yeah. at UC. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. So I know some of us have seen the way too early mock drafts for next year. Yeah. And what do you say to somebody who not only doesn't have, you know, a single g5 school drafted in the first round but also doesn't even have a bearcat i mean i I think it's more imperative that they have a a bearcat in the in the top 32 picks than it is to have any other g5 school at this point in time that's another no comment from me (laughs) i mean it's just it just plays to it's lazy yeah it's lazy it just plays to the to the power five bias it's just it is a safe, lazy way to go about it. It's a, well, what it does is it says you're not informed. Right. Right. And don't care. That's what it says. Right. Chad, you're looking for you, clicks. Chad, do you think six gets broken? I think it does. I think it does. I, I, Wiley's going to be interesting to me uh, because he's, he's a junior. He's a redshirt junior. Right. So what kind of year does he need to have to have that confidence to go um i i agree i mean obviously 
you know, Dez, Sauce, and and uh, Maje are locks. I think first two round locks, but all three of those guys are going first two rounds. Right. Um, Beavers, I definitely think if he tests well at two fifty five, like two sixty, yeah. whatever, whatever he might be at that time, whatever they decide is the right weight when when he does his testing. Yeah, he is. Right. Um. Josh, I, I, I'm just interested to see, like, does he want to, does he want to stick around or, or is he looking like to jump? Right. Um, we know sauce, like there's no point in sauce coming back for a fourth year that, that right. he's not going to accomplish anything more by no, by another year as a Bearcat. I do think watching the corners that got picked, I think now see like, here's, here's, where I think Kobe's situation is a lot different now than it was a year ago. Kobe now has a defined home, right? He is a field corner Mm -hmm. and you need field corners. He is an excellent, one of the best man-to-man field corners in the country. Mm -hmm. And you need those guys and corner there's look, we saw this draft was evident quarterback, Offensive line, wide receiver, corner, edge rusher. Yep. Those are the premiums. Those are the premium positions. Mm-hmm. Kobe is one of the best man-to-man field corners in the country. Kobe gets drafted. And he has size. Size yeah. is a big thing, He's, too. Yeah. Length. Um, so if Wiley comes out, there's the six. I do think Pierce can be seven. Um I think Ford can Ford Ford's probably right. eight. I think you can get eight. What if someone falls in love with Lenny? What if Lenny shows more speed? Yeah. I I mean he's huge. He's, he's Lenny big. Lenny when he gets to, Lenny when he gets to I I would be interested like does Lenny want to come back for a fifth year without mm-hmm. Wiley without Wiley right right okay. like where yeah. he's the man fair enough you yeah. know and by that time Shaman Mateo could be could be ready to, to, to be a stud or Peyton Singletary. But um, I, I, for some reason I have a feel one of those two comes back to be the featured guy in 2022. So I, I, I only have one of them going. I, mm-hmm. I think right now I could see it being Josh more likely than Lenny. Yeah. Uh, but I, I could see either of them deciding when it's all said and done. And, and some of this, look, some of this, depends on how much they accomplish right yeah if they go undefeated and and win a new year's six bowl or they go undefeated and get in the playoff (coughs) you wonder how many feel like you know (coughs) our job here is complete right right well and how many surprises honestly were there this year with how many guys decided to stay number one being desmond ritter Mm -hmm. where you know had you guys wasn't a surprise there were some people though who kind of expected it to go a different way. You didn't. You were on the inside. I'm saying like some people who don't have that window to the inside. Yeah, but that's not the world I live in. <laughs> well, well, how about- I, I just don't think Des was a surprise. I, I think with the baby coming, I think with the situation he had, I expected. I never got buzz that Des was was jumping. I mean, we knew two years ago, Mike Warren was gone. Mm-hmm. 
we knew James Hudson very likely was, was not coming back. Like generally you have a feel for the guys. Now, sometimes like a Kobe Bryant, you get surprised because all indications were that Kobe was going to exhaust his eligibility and enter the draft. And he had a change of heart. So yes, there's sometimes that, but I mean, generally just from the conversations we have daily, the people you talk to, if well, a guy's looking to go, you get a feeling pretty quickly that, like, you know, this is probably it for this guy. Well, and Beavers was a surprise too, right? Mm-mm. He didn't. He walk almost on sat out. Night. He almost sat out the entire season because he wanted to play this to year. Make sure. Gotcha. Well, yeah. Well, and the then only he didn't reason, walk on senior night though, too. Which well, was yeah, but the only reason, and, you know, as we found out as things progressed, the only reason that he played this year this past year was because of the free year if not he was going to redshirt sit out a full year and then come back and play next year because he thought that would be best for him so now that one was that one was the most expected of the bunch surprisingly he just felt like he needed another year you know he was going to need the extra year of development because i don't think two years ago in in 19 he didn't have the type of year he thought he was going to have right like he didn't adjust as fast as he thought he was probably, he was playing some of that sniper position. He was probably out of place more, you know, he was more a weak side guy than a strong side guy. Um, so, you know, he was, he was expected, I would say. And then senior day was the, the giveaway when he didn't walk for senior day. That was, that made it clear like this, you know, he has every intention of being back next year. Three, three more wild cards before we move on to basketball would be potentially Malik Van, potentially. I can see Malik moving up in there. Um, Vinny McConnell and Big Juan. Yeah, my guess is we see Juan for, for Big Juan for two years. Yeah. But if he's just a force that can't be blocked. Right. Then... Lots of value on edge. Right of, well, the question is, what is he in the NFL? He's probably a three tech in the NFL, I would guess. Unless he's because, got some crazy speed that we don't know about. Yeah, I mean, the thing about being an edge at, at his profile is that you're going up against guys that are six foot seven, three hundred and fifty pounds, like three hundred and forty pounds, and long. How arms. much? How much is the bull rush really like? how much is that going to dominate the way it's going to dominate in the American athletic conference? Right. So he's probably a guy that, you know, you look at as a combo, you can play him as a, a strong side end, um, you know, a, a run stopping end, or you could play him. I think more like, I think he'd be incredible as a three tech because I think guards would just have an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Trying to stop him at, at any level. Speed and strength. But, yeah. So Aaron, anything else on football? Moving on. Got a got a lot of basketball to get to. Um, we'll 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 be quick on the news that came out today. Um, from from you know, posting obviously releasing the things about John Brandon and different things of that sort. I don't want to harp on it, but it just seems as if uh the, the next step in that saga has been made. Um eh, I mean it's it's the all that all that we saw today was the release of the, the letter. Right. Right. That terminated him, which is, you know, via Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. So I don't think like some people think it's more than what it is. 
when in reality it is just the release of why he was let go for cause which right. is good good to, good to see because we didn't have that information yeah um it, it's painting a very clear picture and i you know so what do you say about a tweet that went out about 45 minutes ago from jason g uh that just says uh, got him i would guess that's recruiting but who knows? He's at Western Carolina. So did Western Carolina land a transfer? Just the timing was odd. It, yeah. You like retweets. to look, you like to look deep into things. Yes. So were some of the retweets, the retweets in the, in the, obviously when you see that the timing, like you said, Aaron, I'm on your side timing wise. Do I think it's connected? Probably not, but maybe, I mean, the, it maybe is, but it, it's all speculation from there. Unless, Jason G sent a follow-up tweet saying, no, not what you guys are thinking, but who knows? Just, just interesting. I, I'd like to throw a little gas on the fire sometimes. Very interesting. It was a it was a strong tweet at a strong time. Maybe, maybe a monstrous tweet, which brings yeah, so you didn't talk about the commit the, the tweet he made 20 minutes ago. Commitments for the catamounts, two exclamation points. Oh, that's what it was. I was, wor- I was working. <laughs> it was sent to me. The follow-up tweet. Very good. So so a couple commitments for the catamounts, and we can move on from that topic. And I would like to also move on from John Brandon, unless you guys want to touch on any more with what came I don't. Out. I don't want to talk about that dude anymore. Yeah. What's I mean, done is done. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I feel too. Just thought we had to touch on it because obviously it was a it was a news story of the day, a hot topic for for Bearcat sports, if you will. But a hot topic over the weekend, more so, is the Monster Factory coming back. Chad, mm-hmm. you were all over this. Kind of, kind of, walk me through now that you can officially talk about it. Um, I mean, somewhere along the way. Wes Miller got word that the best thing that, that he could do is, is try to rehire the number one strength and conditioning coach in the country. So he made an attempt to do that and got it done. I mean, it, it, it took some time. There's a reason that I closed this podcast one week ago tonight by saying mm-hmm. it could be a monster of a week for the Bearcats. This thing had been in the works since the pre, like since last Saturday uh, when they first started talking. And, um, you know, there was, there was, there was a lot to, uh, work towards and getting everybody on the same page and and making this return possible. And there were some concessions for Mike, you know, he's, he's got a new role, um, in terms of his title, he's going to be basically overseeing everything that isn't in Brady's realm. Uh, for the athletic department, which I think, you know, is, is something that Mike definitely valued. Um, and they got their guy. I mean, that's that's kind of been the story of the West Miller era so far, right? Remember, remember two years ago, we kept talking about didn't get this guy, didn't get that guy. Uh, Lost so far, this guy. <laughs> yeah, so far in the West Miller era, we've been talking about went and got his guy. And uh, he did it again with 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 Mike Rayfeld and I could not possibly more excited be more excited 
than to have Mike coming home. But Mike is, <coughs> excuse me, Mike's an awesome dude. And he's been, you know, a pleasure for us to work with uh, over the years. And having him back is, is fantastic. So I, I, I am excited. Aaron, this is, this is monumental for the, the next step of Wes Miller. Cause you know, he, he talked about wanting assistant coaches that are his own, that he's familiar with. Then he needed someone that, you know, a big recruiting, recruiting boost. And that's what you get in Chad, not Brendel, but Chad dollar. And then of course, now you have someone that is extremely familiar with Cincinnati, extremely familiar with the workings of, of really raising a, a good culture around the program, especially when it comes to, to building your bodies the way that you want to. Aaron, this is, this is a big move for recruiting. This is a big move for the city. I, I mean, it's going to continue to pay off in tenfold. Well, and it's kind of crazy to me the way that this move looks in hindsight of the John Brandon era, because you wonder how much of a difference a guy like this who knows the program and has been a part of the program for so long and what things may have been different, what might have been had he been here throughout, you know, the Brandon tenure that said, I don't think anybody who's, you know, even maybe, you know, casual fans and, and those who are deeply embedded, I think those people are all just as excited. And I think he's for, even for the casual fans, just as much of a name for, for a lot of those casual fans, you know, they see the monster factory tweets. We we've heard this for so long. Uh, it's, it just kind of became an ingrained thing. Even if you didn't know the guy's actual name, you still knew what the monster factory was and what it was all about. So having him back here, I think is a huge, huge bonus for the program going forward, especially with the familiarity he has with the program. He knows what's expected here. And now given a role that seemingly is, is a role that he wanted all along and he's fallen in love with all over again. You know, it's nothing but good for the university and, and the, the basketball program in general. I, he's just widely respected, which is something that is, is paramount when, you know, not, not to touch on the previous regime that was here, but you know, it, it just brings notoriety and it brings name with you. It just seems as if every single step is just like, Oh, wow. So they got, they got Chad Dollar. Oh, oh wow. They got Mike Rayfell. I This is just another step of just adding more notoriety to a, a team and to a staff that all of a sudden you look at it and it is pretty doggone strong. It's it's pretty amazing what Wes Miller's been able to do. And there's a reason that UConn wanted him. UConn is a very storied program. I mean, they have, you know, definitely. They were, they were not happy. No. No, you I can't imagine they were. You know, this is their bread and butter now. They they more or less have lost the football program to wherever, <laughs> whatever conference or situation they've put themselves in at this point. They were they were not happy to lose Mike, and they they came they matched with a significant offer to keep him, and coming home and and working with West Miller uh, ultimately won out. So. I'm pumped, man. I can't wait to have Mike back. That's it's just a guy that's been good to us. He's been good to the program. Um, well, maybe every other week we'll have Brady one week and Mike the next, and that'll this will be the strength and conditioning podcast here going forward. Which, you know, if you I, look at the both of us, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does to me completely. Come on, in our dreams, in our dreams. But no, I I mean, you look at like Hayden Koval, who in the commitment article with Brett Stein says. 
the one thing he wants to work on this offseason is getting stronger. He wants to get stronger. He wants to improve. You know, Jared Hensley, same thing. He wants to improve. He wants to get stronger. Now you have Mike Rayfeld, the monster maker himself. I, it, it's going to be awesome to see the transformations that they have. I will be the first to admit I love those pictures. Love looking at those pictures. At, in a, in a just a, just a wow look at that. That's about it. But you know, it's it's going to be awesome to see what you can bring. Obviously, Chad, I'm I'm all in on the uh, ability to have a back to back strength coach after strength coach, if you will. Before we we transition past this little bit about what's come and been new to the program, what have you, I did want to mention how much fun it's been seeing the media team back at it again, because I feel like they had fallen off the face of the earth. And here we are back with them doing all sorts of graphics. You're seeing Wes Miller super active already on Twitter, you know, shouting people out. He just threw the opening pitch out, even though it was on the the little t-ball field next to the stadium i guess COVID issues they don't yeah, want yeah. too many people on the field um, no you're there, no outsiders allowed on the field only people allowed on the field players and umpires you, you hate to see that especially when you know the guy's fully vaccinated because the program and all that but the, uh, the rules are the rules in any case good to see him just fully embedding himself into the culture here in cincinnati and just you know, we saw it already with his visit to the football team. We've now seen it with his appearance with the Cincinnati Reds. I think the city as a whole is embracing him just as much as he's here, just ready to take it all in and just get fully immersed in it all. I would say we uh, we got enough hints today to feel pretty confident uh, what, what DeMar's situation <laughs> is going to be, right? Yeah, player development needs a director, right? Question mark. I was just asking, LOL, someone should direct the development of our players. I mean, Damar, you, you aren't fooling many people with that, my man. I love I'm gonna, him I'm gonna so have much. to I'm going to have to work with Damar on how to do hints. Subtlety. Yeah, that's not very good. <laughs> He's really good at basketball. Hints. He's a little – it's like a, a baseball bat to the forehead. Well, and maybe hits. that's – Maybe that's why he's not on the bench quite yet. You know, he's still got some <laughs> things to learn. Subtlety is one of them. Yeah, well, I well, I, even so, I when I started to read those, even though Chad, you've kind of hinted at it for quite a while. I mean, it just speaks to even more familiarity back with the program. I it's a home run with Demar Johnson joining, and no matter capacity what it is. I also I can't I can't say too much but I think one of the GA positions might be interesting. I'm tracking something. Hmm. Hmm. King tracker. Tracking something. King tracker. Hey, Brent. I think, I, I think there could be an interesting GA on the horizon. When we're, so referring, we'll when we're referring to DeMar, we should probably refer him to refer to him as friend of the show, though. Friend of the show, yeah. As he's only, you know, we, we'd only have a handful of guests ever anyway. Friend of the show, hopeful recurring guest. There we go. And well, I mean, he's going to be on staff now, so that's going to be a little more difficult, uh, as you would anticipate based on his uh, his Twitter activity today. <laughs> they have to um, do some subtlety first. Yeah, but friend of the show that also was uh, partly responsible for the highest rated BBP in in show history. So, thank you. 
He's got some juice. He's got some juice. Thank you, DJ. Thanks, DJ. Much love to you. (laughs) But uh, aside from that, Chad Dollar, uh, barring uh, just waiting for that official announcement, you you talked about him a lot on the uh, BCJ pod, Chad. No need to to further touch on him, but other than he's a phenomenal recruiter, uh, his resume speaks for itself. Going to be excited to see what he is able to bring as well. It's just a great mix of youth, familiarity, uh, widespread net, if you will. I It just seems like every single pick has been great. And with your new hints that you are tracking, Chad, I can't wait to see what, what they can do in the GA spot because, as we all know, DeMar Johnson filled that GA role pretty doggone well under Mick Cronin for a while. So that's that'll be exciting to watch. Right, let's get this mailbag. There's there's a bunch of questions, right? There are a bunch of questions. We've already run through a couple of them, though, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, the first one that's going to make Chad annoyed right off the bat. Who's our first five-star commitment, and what day are they committing on? I believe that was in reference to basketball. No, I I think it was football, Aaron. So was it? New, was it in the football mailbag? Yeah, you're the new football recruiting guru. So uh, yeah, you answer the damn question. You'll hear it when we're allowed to talk about it. Ah, classic answer. <laughs> All right. So we got the, we, we covered UC Mercs uh, with the rank them one through five and all of that. We also covered uh, the second Jay Bearcats 91 question, but Bearcat 11 um, did ask for an update on key targets for football uh, after a few went in the other direction. Haven't, hasn't been much action or info lately. Um, feed us some info there hasn't been much action here lately here's let me explain something to people we're in a lull what, what oh, there's a very distinct reason we're in a lull we are one month from things opening up these kids have not most of these kids have have never been on a college campus not one mm-hmm. they, they have not really we're- experienced the actual recruiting process virtually right which sucks so we're one month from like the finish line for them so they're gonna wait like they're just that that's just the reality of it kids are gonna wait there are a couple things bubbling but but you know right now kids are gonna wait so i i I think you're gonna get i think you're gonna get Alex Safari is apparently deciding this week. Um, this is going to be a, a UK UC battle. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, I know the folks in Lexington feel pretty confident. His brother played there. You know, there are some things working against UC in this one, but they're still in it. Um, I have not gotten word that this is officially done for Kentucky yet. So I still think UC has a chance. Um, that's the, the only thing really like directly on the radar right now, if he goes to Kentucky, I think there could be some dominoes that fall, uh, that open up the door for some other things, but you know, look, he hasn't responded. I know I have to, no, he doesn't respond to anybody. (laughs) Um, here's the thing. We're in the content business. I promise we're not just holding information from you guys just just for the fun of it. But that means accepting that sometimes things are a little slow. 
and I'm not going to fabricate or, you know, make up stuff that's not happening just because fans get impatient. And I, I love Bearcat 11. He's really impatient. <laughs> <laughs> he wants it, this. You know, he wants it now. He wants it ever. He wants it on his schedule. And unfortunately, Bearcat 11, the news comes on my schedule. It comes on the, the schedule of the kids. And, uh, you know, if, if there's a lull, there's a lull. We can't, we can't, you know, make up content. The, the, the content happens organically. So hopefully as we are aiming towards June 1st, once we get there and, you know, you get a week or two of kids starting to get on the road and camps opening and coaches being able to see players like face-to-face for the first time in 18 months or whatever it's going to be, like that stuff's important, man. And official visits start in June. There's, we're in a little bit of a lull right now, but there's going to be a lot coming. And so just, uh, you know, patiently wait with us as, as we wait for that to arrive. Stay tuned. So the next question comes from Co-Bearcat, and this is a very long-winded question. Oh, I don't, Christ. I don't, I don't know if Brent Young has a, has a burner here, but uh, – Oh, wow. I'm going to try, try and paraphrase as yeah, best I that. can quickly do that. here. Um, but uh, do you get the sense that – our new basketball coaching staff is going to limit themselves in any way in terms of the level of player that they're recruiting, much like in the same way that people talked about Mick not wanting to be in a gym if he saw some other bigger coaches there. Um, and then also wanting to know about Wes's ability to recruit above, um, you know, when he was at UNCG, he did recruit above their level and how that's maybe going to transpose here at Cincinnati as we are even in the talks of, you know, CJ Frederick. So is that going to be the way that things are kind of expected to be or too much was made of the whole Mick comment period, but that's, that's what fans do. I get it. Mick was, Mick was very big on, especially when you get into, you know, you're a decade in, you have a pretty good feel for what you can get and what you can't get. Right. Like, you know, the lay of the land. And I think fans see that as a defeatist attitude where, you know, Mick saw it as, I know exactly when we hit that point where um, it's not going to end well for Cincinnati. Right. Like, and I've said this, I think there's really only one kid that that philosophy probably hurt Nick. And it was because they had heard some stuff was going on behind the scenes with the kid's mom it seemed likely that he was he was staying closer to home, uh, and then that kind of fell apart, and the kid ended up in Ohio. And I think you see if they would have continued on their path, like from early in the recruitment, they would have had a, a very serious puncher's chance there. But there, that's really the only time I can think of. And it's Luther Muhammad, if anybody's wondering who I'm talking about. That's really the only time I can think of where that mentality of when we hear and remember. This is before the FBI stuff, right? A lot of what Mick was talking about at at that point in time is we know when something's going down. You know, we know when 
there are guys getting involved or guys um, hanging around a recruitment where it's time to move on. And that was, people forget, who did Mick come up in the business with? Sonny Vaccaro. He was running players for Sonny. Oh, what happened? He's he'll he'll be back soon. He's running players for Sunday. Who all the bad? This person starts, you know. We we lost you yeah. there for my back. Yeah, you went out. We, we lost You're back. you. You said he was running players for Sunday okay. Vaccaro. Then you cut off. Ah, yeah, he was he was. That's what he. That was like. That's how really he got his start in the business was running players for Sunny at five star camp. Right. And so he knows the bad guys. So that's where a lot of that came from. And people took it as like, you know, I, I won't, I won't recruit against the big boys. When uh, some of it was all, you know, know who you can get, don't recruit, get, don't get me in a situation where we're going to spend five months on a kid that we know isn't going to pick us to begin with. That's something coaches have to, that's a balance coaches have to find. That's a line coaches have to walk. So we've all, we've all been there on NCAA football 14 <laughs> where you spend all that right? time on the kid who's going to Ohio state, but here you are as you know, lowly right. mi- middle Tennessee state because you wanted to build a school up. <laughs> well, now I, I, you know, I, I think Wes will work his contacts. And yeah. I think that's something that hasn't really been talked about yet. I think this guy has a lot of contacts around the country, you know, and and being out on the road the past couple of weeks from talking to people, everybody's got good things to say about him talking to AAU coaches. Funny thing is I had a couple of AAU coaches tell me they're lucky they made the change because I was never going to send a player to play for that, that guy, the old guy, the, the former guy. He who shall Um, not be named. Yeah. So kind of looks like him, huh? You know, Wes Wes seems to have a really good reputation. People like dealing with him, people like talking to him, people like working with him. So, you know, I think he's gonna be able to to swing a little bit above his weight class um on the recruiting trail as as he gets this thing, gets this thing rolling. Well, in in Chad Dollar too, and Mike Roberts as well, kind of have those connections yeah. along the same lines. And I think it helps that Wes Miller has seen what it's like in a lesser sense when he was you know at North Carolina back in the day and then of course with those connections that you mentioned and Mike Roberts at IU and Chad Dollar at the numerous schools that he's been to so I think it's a little yeah, I mean, different I, approach than the last group that was what's here. fun what's fun for me is is going to be how many how many North Carolina kids can he really right get you see involved in Cause that's, that's a talent rich state, but there are a lot of, you know, much like recruiting here, there are a lot of sharks in the water. Right. So what does his understanding of North Carolina uh, allow him to do recruiting that state to Cincinnati? Because there's been success recruiting that region, Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, you know, they're, they're definitely taking a chance on, on being relevant there. All right, so we gave this weekend of the NFL draft a lot of talk time, but Chad, you were at Fort Wayne this weekend. I was. For the uh, AAU tournaments there, and uh, 
would you classify any of the kids mentioned uh, on the last podcast as high mutual interest in UC or anybody that you have to talk about from uh, who you saw there this weekend? Uh, also a, a quick wrap on the, uh, the Fort Wayne event. Uh, Ken, kind, kind dog, kind dog. Ken, Ken, Ken. Oh, Ken, Ken dog. dog. I mean, I, I wrote about it Friday and Saturday. I, I don't uh, Things are so early right now. I'm not comfortable saying like anybody, you know, as a, a surefire. That's not going to pick up until guess what? What do we talk about with football? Things are about to open up. Coaches are going to be allowed to finally go on the road and watch kids. Uh, you know, I, I would not expect anything in 2022 to really uh, jump off the page. I think they're doing their due diligence right now. They're calling around. They're, they're starting to talk with kids. They're starting to talk with coaches. Um, they're figuring out, like, you know, I, I know, you know, there's been live streams of the events uh, around the country over the past couple of weeks. So you're going through the live streams and, and trying to find out, you know, um, exactly how people are playing. It's, it's a process. Like everybody that that's the, that, you know, that's part of being a fan. I get it. Everybody wants to jump to the last chapter in the book. The book is being written currently as we speak. And the guys look, here's what I can tell you. The guys that I've mentioned over the past two weeks that I've been on the road are guys with reason. I'm not guessing with reason that I expect you see to continue to, to give a look to in, in 2022. And that that's, that's where we're at right now. You know what, you know what they're also doing? They're trying to figure out how to finish out the roster for 2021. So 22 is not exactly like the, the number one priority right now uh, with, you know, being one month away from hopefully being able to go out and see kids again or having kids on campus. I know that, that, that they like Leon Bond. I know that they like Sean Jones. I know Paul McMillan's in the mix. I know Leland Walker's in the mix. You know, the, the, the guys that I've listed over the past two weeks are guys that I expect them to be uh, at least some level of interested in, but we won't really know that until, and look, this is this drove me. This is the one thing that drove me nuts during the Brandon stuff. Is this like flip out over seeing kids in person? That is important to every coach for a reason. Here is the reason. You know what you don't see on live streams? You don't see how the kid reacts with his coach. You don't see how the kid reacts in a in a timeout with his teammates. You don't see how the kid reacts if he throws a brilliant pass and the guy misses the layup. These are all things that are tangible to coaches. These are all things that you don't get watching from a computer in your office. These are things you get on the road. Watching a kid in a live setting, you know, playing with his team, playing for his coach. You don't see like when there's a free throw at the other end, how's the point guard talking to his coach on the sideline back on the other side of the floor in the second half, right? Like 
it's stuff like that that coaches really put a value on. And until that is back to normal, coaches are going to be hesitant. The same way players right now are hesitant because they're so close to being able to take visits and get back on campus, coaches are also a little bit hesitant right now because they know they're so close to being able to get the actual, like the full story again on kids. And that is super important. And I get why fans like, like look over it and and don't see it. It's because they don't have to deal with what happens if you recruit a talented kid. That's a bad teammate. And the proof was there. You just couldn't see it. Right. Because you weren't out at the events. So you wait and you make sure you're measured. You, you do the right things. You continue to work the phones. You continue to, to talk to people and build relationships, but you don't move on anybody until you know for sure. And we're finally almost close to getting back to a point where coaches can feel comfortable knowing for sure. Uh, I mentioned this on the board. The other thing is Wes is going to be very deliberate with offers. He's of the, you know, there's generally two beliefs in, in coaching. Offer everyone or put yourself in a point where getting your offer means something to the kid. And Wes is a guy from what I've learned during his time at Greensboro. And from what, it, you know, he hasn't issued an offer yet. I know there's a kid that said he got an offer today. I don't think that's true. Um, I think he talked to the staff, but I don't think an offer went out. But, you know, he wants to be selective. He wants guys to know when you get a Cincinnati offer, that means we're, we're making our move on you. We're in. Um, so that's, you know, those are some things I need. I, I think people need to, uh, to grasp a little bit better. I, I just didn't have any. I, I don't know what else I could have said about the kids that I wrote about Friday and Saturday. A wrap-up isn't really going to do us any good at this point because nothing changed. So check it out on BearcatJournal.com where you can get all your insight and information from one Chad Brendel as he goes and travels to these AAU tournaments. We still have eight <laughs> questions that we are not going to be able to get to all eight because good God. So real quickly, uh, this summarizes roughly about three or four different questions. What can you tell us about the difference that having somebody, in your opinion, because we heard what what Brady's opinion was, and we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but just having the Monster Factory back and what him and Wes together is really going to do, because, again, that covers like four questions. I mean, the biggest thing is the players love Mike. Like, they love training for Mike. Also, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you can also talk but about you did. what that's going to do with uh, with recruiting as well. Go back to when Mike was here. Every recruiting article mentioned Mike in the Monster Factory. Kids' attention is drawn to what Mike is selling because they constantly mention, I, you know, I want to go there because I feel like Mike can make me better. And that's, that's the be-all, end-all. Because a lot of times, you know, Brady will tell us and has told us this, and, and I'm sure Mike would tell us the same. A lot of it is the belief that they have in you, right? If they don't believe in you, how hard are they going to train for you? And I've yet to meet a kid that didn't believe in Mike Grayfeld and, and what he could do, what he could help them accomplish. 
So, I mean, that's, that's the benefit of it is you get a guy, one, that's really good at his job and two is outstanding at building those, those interpersonal relationships. We talked about this a lot. They spend more time with the strength and conditioning program than they do with their coaches, than the head coach, than they do with the assistants. That's just how the NCAA has set all this up. You spend the most time with the strength and conditioning program. So those relationships are super important. And to have Mike back is just a massive win. It's a massive win for Wes Miller. If you go back and look at anything on Twitter that he was posting back when he was here and the before and afters and all of that, there you didn't see anything like that this past year. And it's not that they weren't making yeah, games. Did Tyler Sharp even have a Twitter? I'm not sure that was a thing. They were. <laughs> Tyler did he have an instant like their Tyler Stewart? Did he have a Twitter? Did he have an Instagram? I didn't even know the guy's name. I think there was one, <laughs> one video that they posted of them working out, and I think that was it. That was actually the same day that the, the media team decided to bounce. They were done. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was out on John Brandon. Man. Weird, weird um, circumstance. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it, – it, but it's – that's the other thing, though, right? Mike had the ability to engage the fan base. And uh, uh, having that back is going to be nice because it seems like so far Wes Miller is going to be of that variety too. In your opinion, how big a deal was the COVID restrictions on player development last year? Was it more impactful to the freshmen or other classes in particular? Is this a bigger deal in basketball than football? Because it seems like the basketball team was uh, kind of small last year. Well, it did. It, it, it definitely impacted basketball more than football because football was brought back first. And when basketball was brought back, like they still weren't allowed in the gym. And they were only allowed to do small workout groups uh, if they were allowed in the weight room. So basketball was definitely affected harder than football was. And that's not to say football wasn't impacted because they absolutely were. But what did you have with, I mean, this is what we talked about a ton as it was all happening. What did you have with football that you didn't have with basketball? In football, you had a veteran group, guys that had been through it for three and four years and that knew, like, this is what we've got to do. Like, we've got big things. That was a team that had just lost in the conference championship, and they had their sights set on winning the AAC, getting to a New Year's Six Bowl, like, being undefeated. Um, you also had a coach with a culture. Yeah. I mean, that's part of what, I, like, what I'm saying by yeah. being older, though. Like, yeah. So it was it was definitely more difficult for basketball uh, because of the restrictions and then because of the roster makeup. They had to deal with a lot of things that football didn't have to deal with. Yeah, buy-in was there, obviously. So yeah, um, I, you kind of saw it with Jarrett Hensley as well. For for UNCG, it was it was all across the country. It, it's just hard for the freshmen, the freshmen really to come in and and not get you know. Well, I mean, you saw it at Kentucky as well. Just those teams that are very freshman laden, just tough. So, yeah. Agree. Well, I mean, the, I guess the thing is like in, you know, basketball, the kids arrive in June and they really didn't get a chance to do much of anything until basically like August, September. Right. Right. So your freshmen lost almost their entire summer. And then you're constantly trying to play catch up. And that, you know, there's a reason that the, not, and some of it was just, you know, 
because they kept grinding, but there's a reason that UC's freshmen were a lot better in January and February than they were in November and December. All right. So McChicken 11, I do apologize. We're not going to be able to do power rankings of conferences for football and basketball. Um, but uh, the last one I wanted to touch on is uh, what do you think are the advantages and disadvantage of different apparels uh, from a school perspective for both recruiting and money? And then also the fan perspective, because um, we've kind of been through the gamut now as we've seen Jordan brand, we've seen Adidas, we've seen Under Armour. Uh, the only ones that I guess you're missing at this point that could be players in the game would be New Balance and Puma. Um, but what are your Ow. thoughts? <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, just kind of the different directions we could potentially see the school go and what it all means? I, I don't, I couldn't care less about clothes. Well, I, I, it's, it's not, and that's, that's a me thing. I know it's something a ton of people give a lot of credence to for me, go make the most money. Do you think the, the problem is, uh, I'm sure, recruiting they do, wise? Like, I'm sure, you know, more than anything, Jordan matters like to kids. That's, you know, the cool kids wear the Jordans, right? So like, I, I think that part does matter. The only part it really matters in basketball is, is at the, the top, top of the food chain and recruiting. Um, other than that, I mean, go get your money like that. That's, but the question I guess is going to be going forward. We're seeing that kind of come to an end, that money, uh, that, that, that era of not only giving, you know, a couple million dollars worth of clothes each year, or gear each year, but also giving a couple million dollars worth of actual cash. It, it just doesn't seem like, you know, that's, that's part of the equation really. Uh, going forward in college sports so you're gonna have to figure out something there but i mean there's a cool factor to jordan of course you know you're gonna get more kids that want to come in but here's the problem right now jordan brand knows that so you know how much money they're giving teams zero dollars you get merch and you get gear for your team and you got to sell your merch to get the money to justify the deal. But we're not giving you extra dollars. And you have to decide as an athletic department if that's worth it. If that's something, if that's a, a risk you're willing to take. And, you know, I guess that's where me, it's at right now. For me, the only thing I'm annoyed with and have been for years is just seeing dudes on the sidelines wearing things that I would like to buy and not being able to actually find them anywhere <laughs> to actually buy. Right. Team exclusive stuff is, is going to like, that's a thing though. But why wouldn't you want to actually sell that stuff? Like that's the stuff you're seeing your team wear. That's the cool stuff. Why wouldn't you want to have that be able to be sold? So you can tell your recruits, you get this stuff that not even the fans can get. It's a horrible this, business model. This cool stuff that you get horrible business model. Yeah. But if for but you if it means, but if it means for the it university, no, no but for if you. In, if it brings in the recruits, which brings in wins, which brings in tournament appearances. Well, if and, we're going to a, a style where you're only making dollars on the merch that you sell, sell the cool merch. Don't give me a bland white, black, and red t-shirt with just a logo <laughs> and a stripe 
and call it a day. It's so lazy. So lazy, man. I'm not trying to pay $250 for a jacket on player's trunk. That's because you're cheap. And yes, actually, that's the entire <laughs> the, uh, the end all be all of that story. All right. So um, the, the last question, if you want to even answer it, I don't care. Um, Dad, share some fun stories out on the road from AAU. Do you have any, any good stories? None that I can share. <laughs> he did wow. apparently i actually yeah uh, <laughs> this weekend was funny this weekend was funny so uh as everybody knows mike saunders dad runs an aau program uh they have they have three different they have two 17 and under teams and the 16 and under team so the saunders family was was up in fort wayne uh this weekend watching their dad's teams compete and that included mikey and uh nicole their mom and the youngest brother, the young, youngest brother is 16, uh, like a 4.8 GPA, and he loves to argue. So mom told me that. And I started a LeBron versus Jordan argument. Oh, dear. That that young, young Saunders just would not let go. Like, of course, he's our, you know, he's a millennial or, you know, a, a gen double z or whatever <laughs> who knows what whatever they are these days whatever whatever 16 year olds are these days uh he's gonna go lebron so you know and then you got all the the coaches and the old heads around and he's going to everybody lebron or mj lebron or mj i honestly thought they were gonna come over we were standing there's there's two courts like long ways and the baselines are like you know there's like 10 feet in between the baselines uh, and we're standing in between that. And I legit thought it's somebody that somebody was going to come over and be like, Hey, can you guys keep it down? Like <laughs> take it down a couple notches because her son would just not let it go. And she was so mad at me because I, you know, as I said to her, like, you realize it's like my job to say something and then get people to argue back and forth about what I said. Like, that's literally what I do. So he would go for like 30 minutes and then it looked like it was dying down. And then I would lean in and say something else and then just kind of step back and, and let him go. And uh, he would go for another 30 minutes and I would lean in and then incite it again. And then, you know, they left and the argument went on for like, you know, 40 minutes back to the hotel. And then apparently it went on the whole ride home uh, two days later or a day and a half later. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's me being me, but that's, that's kind of the fun of it. Like, I don't know. I, I really, I enjoy it way more than I should. And I know by the time we get to like the middle of July and I've been out on the road, you know, consistently for like three grind. and a half, four months, the grind is there. You get a little bit more tired of it, but like right, the past two weeks, man, sitting in gyms and getting to catch up with all the people I haven't seen in, you know, almost two years, like good times like i love it I, I i really do enjoy that that part of the process well it, it, did did you see the videos of of mikey throwing down were you there I was standing there. that yeah right i was there? standing there right next to him it's pretty impressive i shot the video no i didn't shoot the video but that's, i was standing that's, there that's pretty impressive mikey i see and i thought well, really here's what's like here's the cycle of life in aau this is the the cool part you know because at one point mikey was that little kid right and yeah. the, 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 the division one guy 
came home and was watching an AAU event. He goes out there and he kind of shows off a little bit, has some fun. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the little kids are coming over and taking pictures with him. And you get to, you know, you get to you get to feel the love. Right. And, uh, you know, that's that's a cool part of it from like, uh, you know, a player perspective of, you know, that you're the little kid and then you're the prospect if you're lucky enough. And then you get to commit and go somewhere and then you get to come back and be the guy that the little kids look up to uh, that you were 10 years earlier. Like that's that's a a really cool part of things. See, and here I thought you were going to confirm or deny whether you actually went to a Fort Wayne Gentleman's Club or not. (laughs) I did not. I did not. <laughs> Some things in life are uh, more risky than they should be. And going to a strip club in Fort Wayne is, is one of them. But it was, it was literally, it shared a parking lot with my hotel room. Mm-hmm. I could, the view from my window was a strip club and the strip club parking lot. I'm sure you, you don't get that in many places other than Fort Wayne. I'm sure you, if you had stayed at the window long enough, you would have had plenty of stories. But I digress. probably I the funny thing is I joked with my wife when I got home. I said, "Can you believe how old I've gotten that I was literally my hotel was in the parking lot of the strip club, <laughs> and I didn't even just stop in to like you know get the vibe and see what was I going th- on." I thought you were going to say hit the buffet. No, 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 God no. <laughs> well, they had got- good food reviews at that strip club. It, so they had, special, yeah. baby. I don't know if they had lemon pepper wings or not, but. This All is right. Atlanta. That's that's coming up. That's in a couple weeks, right? That Atlanta, yeah. Me, uh, my my friend that 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 covers Georgia. I I owe her some chicken wings, some lemon pepper chicken wings at the strip club. <laughs> got so. There we go. So yeah. I I do want to throw it out here before we close it out. Um, I did get it confirmed via text tonight from my good friend. Leonard Stokes, that he will be joining us on the podcast next week, mm-hmm. along with his friend, Steve Logan. So we are going to have two prolific Cincinnati Bearcat scorers uh, joining us next week. And that's a special nugget you get if you lasted for two hours. Almost, almost two hours. <laughs> Fantastic. We're gonna we're gonna need you guys to cut these shows back to an hour. Eh, we're gonna <laughs> we'll we're double, gonna double down. down. We're doubling down. Bah. Well, with that, any I mean, we we need just fifteen more minutes to get us to the two hours. Are we no. Okay. Okay. Right, well, <laughs> well, with that, yet again, just fantastic BVP here. Thank you very much for all the questions in the BVP mailbag. Thanks again to Brady Collins for joining us. For my good friends, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Have a great week. See you.